Well, I'm not a crook. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I have a dream. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. It transcends the senses. This is Murder of Grey. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And this is the Murder of Grey podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. And thank you for, you know, uh, I guess dealing with or being uh, understanding with our little hiatus from last week. Uh, You know, big time events happening, right? Congratulations, Chris, once again on the lovely baby and all that wonderfulness bringing new life into this world. And, you know, we are going to be continuing on with our little segment that we started a couple weeks ago on looking back at ancient philosophers. First, we talked about Pythagoras and his interesting ideas and the fact that he might not have been the one to come up with any of those ideas, which is pretty interesting on its own front. Um, And if you haven't listened to the episode, you don't need to listen to it for this miniseries to continue on or to understand where we're going because each one's going to be talking about a different philosopher. But we do heavily recommend checking it out because it was a really fun one to record for sure. But this week, we are going to be diving into the world of cynicism. Most specifically, we are going to be talking about Diogenes, the dog. Oh, it just sounds like like <laughs> I am the dog, the big, ba- you know, like dog bounty hunter. Like, yeah. <laughs> every time I hear that. But Diogenes is a very interesting character. And when you, it, it, it's weird. Like, I, I feel like with these last couple of people that we've been studying and looking into, uh, my viewpoint on a philosopher has completely changed. Right? It's been completely thrown out the window. I obviously do not know what I like why I had that image of a philosopher in my mind to begin with you know like we mentioned in the previous episode though uh talking about the idea that uh, like the the image or what we were taught in schools of what to expect of a philosopher right they were the great thinkers of the time they were you know like high society all that stuff but Pythagoras and now Diogenes, when you look at them, they were not part of that high society, or at least they tried to shun away from it as much as possible. It is not what their main intent was. So Diogenes is the father of cynicism itself, but cynicism does have a different meaning than what we see it today, as of today. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But his story is one that is filled with kind of gross details to be honest right and it's very strange and he's just a rude crude dude that lived in the street and yelled at people and did some nasty stuff and he was praised by it right like he spoke to the wealthy spit in their face literally hell yeah (laughs) and was praised for it right he went up to the great philosophers of the time and challenged every single one of their views and was looked at as a friend by those philosophers, even though he probably didn't consider them that himself. <laughs> like, it's just, it's weird, right? Like, the whole concept of this guy is so strange. And it's actually really exciting to kind of dive into this some more and learn about this guy. Because I I feel like he was, 
like all these philosophers were just kind of glossed over in our studies through school and the education system, everything, right? So being able to actually really dive into their history is it's pretty exciting and interesting because there's so much more to them and it puts them in such a different light that it's it's almost confusing where you kind of question why are we uh, considering people like this the great thinkers of our time, right? So, but let's let's just kind of dive into some of the early history of him, and then we can get into his philosophy and his teachings. Um, he was he lived in Sinope, which was a harbor city at that time, and actually had a lot of wealth because it was basically the middleman between a lot of areas in ancient Greece. Right, a lot of people would go through there to you know for trade and stuff like that, or to be able to travel north to continue trading. So there was a lot of money coming through here. And Diogenes actually was an apprentice of the Master of Mint. And for those of you who do not know what the Master of Mint was, he was the one who made the currency for the city, right? So he actually, yeah, that was his job. He was there to make money, quite literally, <laughs> for his family, which would have actually given his family a really high status in the town. Now, there's a tale, and some of the stories kind of mix this up a little bit. Um, there's no real way of knowing exactly which order this goes in, but the order that at least made sense to me was that uh, at one point in time, uh, there was some money that was being defaced or destroyed, and the blame got put on Diogenes himself. Well, first it got put on the Master of Mint, and then it got passed down to Diogenes, where people were saying that he was the one who actually destroyed this money. And his father, or the father of Diogenes and himself, was exiled from Sinope. So once they were exiled, they actually were imprisoned uh, outside of the town. His father did pass away during the imprisonment, and supposedly Diogenes just escaped being imprisoned uh and so he went on the land he would just begin to travel around eventually he ends up in delphi where he speaks to the oracle of apollo who is well known around all of greece for her ancient wisdom uh and her guidance people go to this uh this oracle for that to know what to do next and if you think about it this he's probably a younger guy right now losing his father, losing his town, losing his family and his status in life, and he's just lost and he needs to know what to do next. So it just makes sense to go speak to the Oracle of Apollo at that point. So when he speaks with her, she gives him some interesting words. She says to deface the currency in order to restore your reputation. Now, that is a very interesting thing because supposedly the defacing of the currency is what got him exiled to begin with and with if the story order is correct here it means that he's already defaced like physical currency and that is how he's going to restore his reputation now diogenes took this more as a metaphorical meaning right when it comes mm -hmm. to deface the currency he took it more as I'm going uh, to go and deface the currency of society itself. Go challenge those aspects of society in which people hold near and dear, right? Um, as far as, you know, wealth, well-being, fame, prestige, all that crap. He now had a new mission 
where he was going to go and basically fuck that up. <laughs> that was his <laughs> new job, right? In his mind. And I think it is really interesting because if the Oracle is, if what the Oracle said is true, then he was already on the right path, right? Like he defaced the currency and that is how his reputation began, right? Like he got exiled. It put him into this weird mindset, this weird new life. It forced him to, you know, get out of his comfort zone. And that's where we start seeing the Diogenes, the great, well, quote unquote, great philosopher <laughs> that we know of today. And he's, like I said, he's rude. He's crude. He does whatever the hell he wants. And that was looked at as an amazing, amazing thing by a lot of ancient Greeks, not just the public, but kings as well, like nobles, royalty. They like fawned over this guy and his just complete lack of care for how society views him. And it's it's so bizarre because it goes against everything that ancient Greece like stood for at that time. It, it, it's really, I don't know, or at least what we know ancient Greece stood for. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion is probably coming from is what we were taught in school versus what actually is being read or what actually happened, right? We were looked at, it was looked at as like this perfect society with like scholars and nobles and aristocrats and all that crap. But it, it probably wasn't exactly how it's being painted or being depicted in our history books, right? So it is kind of like a weird thing there. I'm kind of curious about that, but I, I don't know how, yeah, it's, it's I think a big reason why, you know, he was so different and from everyone else at that time, I think that's what really made him stand out. You know, he wasn't afraid to do whatever the hell he wanted, you know, yeah. and that was so, you know, that was their form of counterculture back then. So, I mean, it makes sense. Like it would stand out. It just more so surprises me that people will be like, Oh yeah, I like his views. You know, like it's mm -hmm. interesting. Cause you know, people, at least listen to him and maybe like I don't want to say lived a life too like him because he was pretty extreme with his life. But that was one of the big things that I did notice that he's probably the only philosopher that I've looked into that doesn't have a following. You know, where like people like a following to the certain extent of like people trying to live like him or be you know like yeah. people live their own lives, but just went and go to chat with Diogenes every once in a while. That's what it felt like. And it's interesting because, I mean, he he does have some interesting viewpoints on some things, but. It's just I I want to I wish I could just go back in time and just see like his daily life. Because this dude just sounds so interesting. <laughs> Here, you want, a little, you want a little snapshot of his daily life? Wake up from a pot, eat some scraps, go down to the local watering hole, drink some water, jerk off into the watering hole, go back to his pot and go to sleep. <laughs> sounds like the life, dude. <laughs> All right. So 
Diogenes was known yeah. as the dog, like we mentioned, right? And he was compared to a dog a lot. And he actually took that to heart and he actually loved that nickname. He even considered himself a dog because when he looked at them, like he, he saw just pure joy, like uninhibited happiness, right? The dogs were able to do what they wanted whenever they wanted. They satisfied all their needs instantly. So they had that instant gratification, despite how like public might view them. So he took that lifestyle and ran with it, which is kind of weird <laughs> in its own way, right? <laughs> and uh, so supposedly the idea of cynicism or the word itself came from um was it Aristotle's apprentice? Was he, a, or is it Socrates? He was either an apprentice of Aristotle or Socrates, but I think it was whole, Socrates. Yeah, Socrates. Yeah. So um, his name was, and I'm going to butcher it, but Antisthenes. Antisthenes. Yeah, you said uh, better than I have. <laughs> so he actually, so that name is going to might come up later in some future uh, writings as well, or future episodes. Because he is the father of Stoicism, which is another branch of cynicism. But the word itself, cynicism, comes from kunicus, uh, which is an ancient Greek word for dog. So Antisthenes, sure, let's go with that, <laughs> made the word cynicism based around Diogenes, which is kind of interesting. And, you know, they these two characters kind of had similar lifestyles. They both lived a life of poverty. Um, you know, Diogenes to a much more like extra <laughs> extent, right? Than Antisthenes ever did. But uh, like they both understood or believed in the idea that wealth and poverty uh, do not, or yeah, wealth and poverty do not lie in a person's estate, but rather in their souls themselves so it wasn't about the physical things it was about how you personally feel on the inside which i guess is nice right but you can't really buy shelter with happiness it doesn't really work that way you can't buy medicine with that but you know that's all other things to go into now when we like we mentioned earlier the idea of cynicism has definitely changed over time when we look at cynicism nowadays, it's more of a like a negative stance towards human nature or you're being very skeptical towards something or you have a lack of faith in someone or something, right? That's kind of the the definition as it is now. Whereas the idea of cynicism in ancient Greek during the time of Diogenes was that they opposed societies uh, humans made for themselves. So they were against the idea that, you know, people were creating these false sense of wealth, this false sense of stature and stuff like that. Whereas now we're looking at it where we're against human nature, whereas before cynicism was about going for human nature, pro-human nature 100%, right? So it is kind of like a weird, like it, there's some connections still, but it it does feel like it kind of has flipped, right? But that happens a lot with in history, right? You look at the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, they've flipped a couple times, right, mm -hmm. as far as the beliefs go. So it's it's not surprising. And who knows, maybe through mistranslations and things like that, that is how our new definitions have come around. But 
I do find that concept really interesting about the, you know, the, these guys were basically like the punk rock group <laughs> of ancient Greece, right? Like they're, they were rebellious. They went against everything uh, as far as like social norms go and they lived it. And I mean, Diogenes Liz lived it to like the hundredth degree, right? Like he went really, really far into this idea. And it, I don't know, it's, it's really strange. Uh, this is the, the way that he lived his life. But he ended up living in a barrel <laughs> his entire life, uh, basically, except for um, a little bit later, he does end up living with a rich family for a little bit as a tutor. But that's something to kind of go into in a little bit. But he lived most of his life in his barrel and he only owned a few rags to kind of cover himself modestly when he felt like covering himself, which seemed like not the most, you know, it, it didn't happen often, <laughs> apparently. Uh, <laughs> and he owned a bowl to eat and drink from. Um, but there is a story that at one point he was walking by a river and he saw a child drinking the water with their hands and instantly he takes his bowl and he breaks it and he I don't know the exact terminology of what he supposedly said but it was basically like how could I have burdened myself with such trivial material items this whole time oh and talking about how pissed he was for holding onto a bowl so that he could have something to drink from so at that point he only had his rags and his barrel to live in and that was it which is really like okay like that's a little extreme but sure go for it dude you do you and he did him to the point where he is now written about remembered and uh, you know loved by the philosophical community which i think is just straight up bizarre now his philosophy is very interesting it is very counterculture to any philosophers around during that time when you look at some of the great philosophers that he did interact like plato uh plato was a very theoretical philosopher right and that was what was the norm at that time they were talking about like theoretical ideas what could be uh, just that kind of stuff but whereas when diogenes was thinking about philosophy even i see here's the thing i don't even think that he thought of himself as a philosopher that I think that's something that we put onto him as people, mm -hmm. but supposedly his form of or his viewpoint of philosophy was to show it through actions rather than to be theoretical about these ideas. Like, don't be obscure; show it through actual real world situations. So, it, obviously, that got some traction, and it was it was interesting to people. It was new. It was like. You know, think about Back to the Future when he plays it, puts up the phone. He's like, hey, you're looking for that new sound? Well, hear this. Well, like, instead of having to be, like, super educated at that time to understand these theoretical ideas that these supposedly smart individuals were saying, Diogenes just broke it down to very simple terms and just showed his actions for people to understand. So I, I'm wondering if that's why he was more appreciated by the town itself. And he had like, uh, there was like a weird love hate for this guy in the city itself. But it, I, I don't know, like, um, what, what do you think? Do you think this guy was just like a 
bum? <laughs> Do you think he actually was a philosopher? Like, uh, I, it, it's weird, right? Like, we we coin him as one, but I don't really know if he fully considers himself that, or if he just the, wanted to challenge people. The problem, or the the way I look at it, is like this: is that we don't really know what like the homeless situation was back then. You know, like the unhoused and stuff. Like, how were they back then? Because yeah. I mean, you have to think like it—that's an issue that's always existed throughout time. You know, maybe back then it was a little bit different because you know ancient Rome wasn't a capitalist country, so I mean, it was a little different. I think that you know I've definitely met a few unhoused individuals who are very similar to this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it like they're intellectual to an extent, but it's like just different. And with this, I feel like <sighs> there's nothing wrong with being a naturalist, right? Where you disregard all your comforts of you know like material goods there's a lot of people that do that nowadays by choice Mm -hmm. and you know i know for me i could never do that i like my comforts i remember at one point in my life i was like oh i could do that you know i could i could live off the grid i could do whatever and i'm like you know what no no, go, go I, like, full, I like like my into crap. the wild style, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like I mean, if I was thrown into a situation where I had to live with nothing, like, fine, I could do it. I believe in myself, but this, you know, <laughs> a lot of it really does sound like someone who would be living on the streets in modern time. But I mean, you also think like it's his choice. And I know there's people living on the streets. I don't want to say by choice, you know, if there is, it's very, very little. You know, a lot of people, when you think about modern day, you know, unhoused people, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, the economic side of things that that's why people are homeless or, Mm -hmm. you know, mental health, all this. There are some people that just, decide to give everything away and just live freely you know because think about it to an extent as long as you don't butt heads with law like you're kind of free to do whatever the hell you want it's true as long as your moral compass allows it but you know back then they probably had less rules than they did now so i mean him being naked half the time eating meat on the street jacking off everywhere it's like he could do it back then because, you know, there weren't all these laws in place. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying, like, why do we have to have a law to prevent people from jacking off in public? But, I mean, that's not what I mean. Like, you know, it's it was just a different time. And it's interesting that you could really equate it to a lot of people you meet on the street, the way he acts. To an extent, you know. I know where I live or where we live. You know, I've definitely come across people that almost kind of tick all these boxes yeah, to a T, you know? So it's like, granted, I don't think they chose it, chose to live that way because they wanted to. That's the only difference. But mm, yeah, I, 
I do think that there's some very interesting ideas through his so-called madness, but it's it's hard to pick apart, you know, because for me, I don't really, you know, believe in the naturalist lifestyle. I do, I, I do like his like anarchist ideas, even though like he never really like pushed those ideas. It's just the way his choice of life kind of steered to that direction with his like against authority and mm-hmm. politicians and stuff. And I think that if we look at it like that, you know, he, I don't think he was one of the first people to really do that because, you know, people dislike rulers, but his ideas really did spark that side of things. And it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff with this dude that I feel like because of his choice of life, it just kind of gets pushed down or just, you don't take it seriously, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I like I said before, I would really just love to see like how this dude was. You know, like was right. he a raving maniac on the street? Or was he just, you know, chilling and just wanting to talk to people because you know, people like that exist nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean it it is kind of weird. Like he does seem like a hundred percent, like you said, he checks off all those boxes of like what we would consider crazy homeless guy right or crazy crazy on house right like it's just it is strange and we've run into those guys and like at no point in my life before this or before reading about diogenes did i ever wonder like hey is this guy like the future right like are we gonna read about this dude that's on the the corner just yelling at the top of his lungs about something like is something great going to be written about him is someone going to give him the time of day to spout his knowledge and his beliefs and you know make a whole like subsect of how to be as a person based off of their life i mean i don't think so nowadays but like i said times in greece were different the like the, the society was just a very different place the rules were different and there probably wasn't much going on, so people sat there and did listen to this guy talk for a while. And I'm sure he did say some things that were, you know, kind of compelling, that made people think a little bit. And it's, it is a little, I don't know, it's, it's different. It's a different, it's just a different time, right? We, we can't relive this. And it would be interesting to go back to actually see how he was, right? Like, was he exactly how he's depicted in stories or are we kind of playing it up extra to fit this image of you know i know material things and stuff like that so i think a big thing too is that like most of our life at least i know here in america we're taught to we want all materialistic things, right? Mm -hmm. We want to be surrounded by goods that who knows if we'll ever use, you know, but we just, we want to consume, right? We're consumers. And so when you hear about someone who's so against that kind of stuff, we look at them almost as mad Mm -hmm. because it's so radical, you know, it to find the people here who like you or I, where mm-hmm. we would just be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm leaving my apartment. I'm just going to go out into the world. It's 
you don't see that often because we're taught as a society like we need to compete with one another we need to be better than one another we need to make more money all this kind of stuff so we can live this dream of constantly consuming Mm -hmm. or producing but just being like doing whatever you want living life without those needs like we're taught like that's crazy Mm -hmm. you know we're taught that people like that are useless to society even though they're not it's just that because they're not in this awful cycle of consuming and producing you know they get left down looked at as like outcasts but i mean when you think about it like they just have a different form of life and because we're so ingrained in our lifestyle choices out here it's just when you see someone like this you're like why why would you do that like it's just weird but some people are happy without materialistic things it's weird yeah yeah, it's very true. So I think it's time for a little bit of story time. How about that? Let's oh go boy. into some let's go into some of the stories of Diogenes, some of the, the great tales passed down over time that really play up the importance of this man and what he was able to bring to society. Now, the first story I want to bring up is the whole reason why he was called the dog to begin with. Right. And he was actually asked uh, why are you called the dog? And he had a very interesting quote as far as why he claimed that, right? Um, It was, I'm called a dog because I fawn on those who give me anything. I yelp at those who refuse and I set my teeth in rascals. Now, after hearing that, it's like, oh, like that's actually, that makes sense, right? Like, you you praise those who give you something, right? Like you you show genuine happiness for when you are given anything in life, no matter how mundane or small it might be. You have to show that you appreciate those things. You yell out at those, maybe not literally, but figuratively. He probably did yell out literally at those <laughs> <laughs> who anger you or that give you or do you wrong, right? Like you you oppose those that do that. And then I set my teeth in rascals. Well, the ones who really try and come for you, he fights back. Right. And it's just, it is a very interesting mindset to have, but it, it makes sense as to why, you know, he's called the dog and why he really embodies that idea of it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, there's a story apparently of some rich aristocrats coming out from a party one night and they come across Diogenes in the alley and supposedly he is walking on all four legs acting as a dog that he you know self-proclaimed himself to be and the rich drunk assholes decide to throw bones at him since he is of course a dog where'd they get the bones that's where I'm wondering that's why the story is kind of like "Mm, okay (laughs) pull it out of their pocket (laughs) yeah they just carry bones around. It was actually a really big thing in ancient Greeks. It kept their back straight. You know, they tied it to the back. No, just kidding. <laughs> they pulled a bone out of their body and just threw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. They took their rib out. It's the story of Adam and Eve here. Um, but <laughs> it all makes sense. You know, this is where it started, you guys. Religion. No. Um, so the rich decided to throw bones at him in the alleyway, and he proceeded to then lift his leg and urinate on the aristocrats. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because they considered him a dog. So he decided to show them what kind of dog he can be, which I think is pretty, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's very extreme, right? 
Like you can't get away with that with that shit now. But this uh, is you could. Yeah. But this He's is a story. Run. Yeah, <laughs> run real fast. But this is a story that is like adding to the fame of Diogenes, which I think is really funny and strange, right? Mm-hmm. Now, some of his other stories are, this is probably the most extreme, I mean, besides the masturbating in public, which he did uh, quite often, actually. Uh, and when he was actually asked about why the hell is he masturbating in public in front of everybody, which you would consider a modern-day pervert nowadays, right? Uh, yep. His response was, if only I could rub my belly to satisfy my hunger just like this, you know, or something like that, right? And which it's funny <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> it's like oh yeah you know he's satisfying one need right instead of uh, by just handling it whereas if if only he could handle his hunger the same way now those are probably the most extreme of his stories uh the other ones are pretty interesting actually they're they're a little more um on the side of a philosopher or someone that you would consider to be a philosopher right um, mm-hmm. there is a tale of him going around a marketplace at one point during the middle of the day with a lantern in his hand, and he kept putting it in people's faces and staring into their eyes, and he would go around and keep doing that. And when he was asked, why are you shining that light in my face? His response was, I'm looking for a human being, and I have not found one yet. And he did this in a marketplace where there's a lot of trade, commerce, people looking to buy things that they don't necessarily need to impress people that they probably don't like, right? Like he was, it was an interesting way of shining light into society itself. And it almost sounds like a performance art piece, right? Like it's, it is a very interesting idea and is pretty strong as far as that goes. Now, he didn't just mess with the people in the streets. He actually went against like philosophers, kings, and high, like even higher society people than the drunk assholes in <laughs> in the streets. Right? Uh, he at one point, like he, apparently he attended a lot of Plato's lectures during that time as well. And there was one tale in which Plato was praised for his idea of man and how he was able to describe what a human or what a man actually is. Plato's description of man was a featherless chicken. Apparently that is man in their eyes. And he was definitely, he was 100% praised for this idea by all other philosophers. People thought he was a genius for coming up with this this connection, this idea, this way of visualizing what man actually is in society. So Diogenes took this and went very literal with it. (laughs) During the next meeting, Diogenes came in with a fully plucked chicken and said, look, behold, I have brought you a man. <laughs> it's just a plucked chicken in the middle of a, you know like the pantheon basically it's like okay you know which is it really speaks to how he viewed the idea of philosophy where he was against the theoretical ideas and more for the actual practical effects when you theorize and say that man is just a featherless chicken well let's actually look at a featherless chicken is that a man N- no 
it's not. <laughs> so he fully challenged those ideas that way. And, you know, you would assume that during that time or with that kind of an action, Plato would have been mad, right? He would have been furious at Diogenes and how he challenges him. But Plato actually looked at him as a, uh, you know, a friend. They they had many conversations together, and a lot of people just wanted to talk to Diogenes. Uh, and one story as well, another one was that a rich aristocrat invited Diogenes into his home, where to just have a conversation with him. And I believe that the the aristocrat wanted to hire him for like tutoring and you know learn of his studies and things like that. But as they were entering his house. The aristocrat did ask Diogenes, please don't spit in my home. So Diogenes responded by looking the man square in the face and spitting on him <laughs> instead. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Like, I would have kicked him out right then and there and be like, okay, this is a mistake. Bye, crazy man. Leave my home. But no, he is looked at as a great philosopher through his actions and you would have to think that this man probably did have some sort of mental disorder right like there, there's something that it's it, yeah it's a lot now some others great tales from diogenes's life uh come through his interactions with alexander the great now alexander the great did hear of this dog man and he was intrigued. So when he was in the area, he asked for Diogenes to come to Alexander because everybody goes to the king. The king doesn't go to people, right? He needs to basically pay his dues and pay his respect. Well, when Diogenes was requested to go speak with Alexander, Diogenes refused. He said, nope, I'm good. I'm just going to hang out here. So Alexander heard this, and instead of being infuriated by this fact, it made him that much more intrigued. So Alexander went to go seek out Diogenes, and he found him laying out, laying in town square, naked, just there <laughs> on the floor. So Alexander came up to him and stood in front of Diogenes and said, let me give you something. What is it that you want? Right, because he was so fascinated by this man, and Diogenes kind of leans up a little bit, right? Kind of picks himself up. He looks at Alexander. And he goes, "Yeah, you know what? Um, could you stand a little over to the left and get out of my son?" <laughs> like that was his response to the king. He talked to him as if he was just another human being, which I think is really interesting. And I think that's where the intrigue came from uh, from Alexander himself. Because he hasn't been talked to like just a basic, just a person in probably so long, right? And just kind of getting that like glimpse of what humanity once was, it really intrigued Alexander to the point in which he said, if I was not Alexander, I would want to be Diogenes. Now, that is a very interesting idea there, right? You, you think of Alexander the Great, this great king who brought you know, conquest of the area and knowledge with his, you know, the libraries of Alexandria. Like, it's amazing to hear that he actually doesn't want that. He doesn't want the status. He doesn't want the wealth. He'd rather be 
like a non-caring, just live your life day by day person like Diogenes was. And this is not the only time that Alexander the Great interacted with Diogenes. There's another tale as well in which uh, Diogenes or Alexander went to go and chat with him because, you know, you know where to find him. He's either in his pot or he's, you know, jerking off in the round the corner. But <laughs> so he goes up to him and Diogenes was apparently asleep in his pot. So Alexander kicks him to wake him up. And Diogenes, I, like, I don't remember the exact quote itself. I wish I had written down. But Diogenes apparently responds with um, like basically saying that is no way for a noble to act. Uh, only a- uh, asses kick <laughs> and basically like donkeys. So he called Alexander a donkey, like right to his face. He just called him an ass, which I think is crazy because, you know, during that time, you slander a king probably going to get killed and alexander took this as like a heartwarming moment for them like like it's very strange and very interesting that that was alexander the great's response this great like general this great warrior this great king reacts like that where it's like oh you just called me an ass you're funny i appreciate that nice to see you too bud right like what? <laughs> That's not how this goes. So it is very interesting. Like the the stories that really placate or add to the fame of Diogenes himself are very interesting and very like what you would what I would consider counterculture, like punk lifestyle. You know that if you talked about somebody like this nowadays, they would be looked at as a crazy person or someone that you don't interact with, and yet he is known as someone of great intrigue of great knowledge of like willing to make a, an entire lifestyle or theoretical approach to life itself based all around this guy's actions which is just purely bizarre but yeah that's the end of story time for mr diogenes at least for me do you have any other tales or anything like that i think you kind of covered it i thought it was kind of funny how he bugged antithesis however you say his name Mm -hmm. um then at first like you know he didn't want to he wanted to be his pupil right or he wanted him to be a mentor to him but he kept getting denied and at one point he kept bugging him so much that he got hit by a staff (laughs) and was told to like go away and not bug him but then eventually you know with even more constant annoyances he finally became a pupil to him but I found it interesting that because of his lifestyle, he became more credited as the person who invented cynicism, even though the other dude kind of thought of it first. Mm -hmm. But because he didn't live that lifestyle, he didn't really feel it, you know? But I mean... It's interesting because I feel like the word is such a different meaning to nowadays because I feel like everyone nowadays always says like, oh, I'm so cynical, right? Mm -hmm. Like you see it. Well, I remember back when I used to use Tumblr, everyone on their profile, they would just say cynical. And then I'm like, why? Like, You don't even know what that means. Yeah. I'm like, why is this a major label? I know a lot of people love to label themselves with things, but I'm just like, that's not something you label yourself as. That's something other people label you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, 
I, I'll be honest. I, I think a lot of people do do things for their own self-interest and not for the greater good. Definitely. You know, especially here, you know, like, I mean, everywhere. Uh, th- I know there's good people out there that do things for the greater good to help people and not just for themselves. But like I brought up earlier, we're taught to be, you know, competitive. We're taught to be, we're the lone army, the one man army against mm-hmm. everybody else. And it's like, it's, it's hard not to think people are out there for themselves. You know, you see it many times with like billionaires and like other people creating things like they don't care about the people using it. Sometimes it, they mm-hmm. only care about how much money it's going to make them. And it sucks. But I mean, that's just the society we live in. Right. But it's, it's interesting how this guy had so many different things going on with himself that you can really pull apart a little bit of everything and really like coin it to a lot of different terms. Mm-hmm. I know that wasn't really story time, but I was thinking about it while you were, uh, while you were explaining. Yeah, no, no, that's good. Yeah. It, it is a very interesting idea. That's for sure. Like we've completely changed our, our viewpoint here. Right. And you know, capitalist culture makes it so that we want to create in order to create wealth. We're not thinking about the side effects in which our actions are going to, you know, come up, right? Whether it may be, oh, this is a a resource that can only be found in a certain area. So, you know, maybe the impoverished area might be, um, uh, you know, uh, abused or, you know, just destroyed, like homes could be destroyed. Like look at the Olympics, right? Like how many people get shunned out of their homes, like kicked out completely so that we can make a, a stadium for a one-time event right like it's just to show off our wealth our grandeur our status in life when it really means nothing and it's actually doing a lot more harm than it really should right so Mm -hmm. it it is it is interesting that we we are like it would be good if people were actually like it from the real term phrase of it a little more cynical in life right maybe follow diogenes teachings quote-unquote teachings I, I i have a hard time actually saying that this guy really taught us much right but he did at least show us that you can live a fulfilling life with less mm-hmm. now do you have to go to the extremes that he went of living in a pot and you know not owning anything no no you don't but life in moderation is a good thing right understanding or appreciating the little things that bring you happiness are important and something to always remember. I mean, it for us, I mean, look at this podcast, for instance, right? We do this because we love doing it. It brings us enjoyment. It's a little thing that brings us enjoyment. Does it give us wealth? Does it give us fame? Does it give us high stature in society? No, right? Like, but it's something that we enjoy doing. And it's, it's just, it's good for us, right? And I think that's, that's the importance of it. And that's why we keep doing it. So it's it is very interesting. Like we we never look at this stuff as a way to get rich quick because we definitely pick the wrong thing to do if we Mm -hmm. wanted to get rich quick. You know, this is more for 
our own self-satisfaction and our own like satisfying that curiosity that we have in our minds to want to learn more, to want to figure things out, to understand the world around us. So I think that's where the importance lies there. Now, one little thing here to I feel is really important to talk about with Diogenes himself is some of his more scandalous ideas or quote unquote teachings, right? Um, we he's known as the cynic, right? He's known as the dog, the man who rebelled against society. But a lot of the things that he would talk about uh, really are they were even way too outlandish for ancient Greeks too. So like he did push the envelope in other avenues that we tend to try and ignore or brush under the rug in order to keep his image uh, pristine or at least uh, keep it up with the idea of cynicism itself. So some of his scandalous teachings did include uh, one on the lightest note would be nothing in this world is naturally good. There is no natural good in the world at all. It is good attained through actions. That was what he believed, right? That was one of his teachings that people kind of wanted to stay away from. It's a very light note, but it does make sense because you want to have the idea, at least, that there can be good in this world. It's just to give people hope, right? So to abolish hope like that is pretty tough. Now, some of the other things that are a little bit more risque as far as what he believed preached on or however you want to uh, mention it or discuss it uh, was cannibalism. He was pro-cannibalism. He understood oh, it. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, he was pro-incest oh. and he was pro-murder. So he, he argued for the positives of those three ideas right there. And those are really like, dark topics to try and argue a positive to you and when you hear about diogenes in history books we don't that stuff doesn't get brought up right those ideas that he actually believed in and would talk about uh, at a frequent rate actually are not what is remembered about diogenes and the reason being is that his writings were actually cleaned up by um, people who believed in him or followed him. It's hard to say followed because he didn't really have like that cult following that like, like let's say Pythagoras had or Socrates or Plato, right? But like his his teachings were written in a way to keep his image in a positive or somewhat positive light, which I think is interesting because that goes against everything he stood for in his life. Which is really, I, I'm curious to see how he would, like, how do you think Diogenes would feel nowadays knowing that some of his ideas were ignored or not discussed because they went against society too much when his whole life was go- about going against society, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's an interesting thought right there. And I don't know how well he would have taken that. So... It's interesting because the more we talk about it, I really realize that in a lot of regards, you know, um, Henry David Thoreau is Mm -hmm. a lot like 
this to an extent not the not the extremes not the cannibal all that but the (laughs) the the shutting away from society or being able to live like that you know it's like the same thing like in walden you know it's it's interesting how i feel like he got maybe ideas from him you Mm -hmm. know and i feel like when we think about a modern version of this like i think thorough might be the more civilized way Mm -hmm. of approaching it but i mean it's also a little different but being able to you know reject the industrious side of society i mean that's something people have done throughout time right you know but it's it's interesting to see like how that thought process has kind of evolved over centuries. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now his death itself does have some stories and some mystery behind it as well. So apparently Diogenes lived to be around ninety years old, which is pretty crazy considering Jesus. his lifestyle, right? And given the time of ancient Greeks, people didn't live that long. <laughs> the average life expectancy pretty crazy to think about right now there's three stories in which uh people claim that diogenes passed away and the first one is that he got rabies because he hung out with dogs too much and got bit (laughs) and he lived his life as a dog and died of rabies which i think is kind of a joke one i I don't really believe that one at all um but then the other one of the other stories the second one at least is that he contracted food poisoning uh, and passed away from that, from eating a bad octopus, apparently, uh, and which is, I would say, probably more likely. Um, but the final uh, story or tale into Diogenes' death was that he held his breath until he passed away. And hmm. I think that one is very interesting, right? The other two really take your life and your existence out of your hands right it's accidents it's things out of his control but holding your breath until you pass away is 100 percent in his control it's taking his own life and enjoyment in his own hands like he has been doing his entire life and who knows if that's the real way that he passed away or if it was a way in which scholars want to remember him to really play up the idea that he had full control over his life his in, for his whole existence, right? So it is a very interesting idea as far as that one goes. I don't know if that's humanly possible, but <laughs> who knows? I don't know if you can actually hold your breath long enough to pass away without being underwater, or, you know, like in other situation, but just sitting there and just holding your breath. I don't think you could hold your breath and strangle yourself, but even then it's like, I don't know, like, it just, that seems like an awful way to go. It might as well hang yourself. Yeah, right? So it's it's kind of a, it's an interesting story. It's probably, like, more than likely he passed away due to food poisoning and or old age. But They said he ate raw meat often, so. Yeah, which makes sense, right? So, like, that could totally be the thing that happens. Uh, But, I don't know, there's something interesting about taking his own life in his own hands right just like he did his whole life so who knows but needless to say this man is very interesting uh if he was around nowadays 
it would be a very different story. We would not have these tales that we do now. He would not be looked at as the great man that he was. He wouldn't be talked to by kings. He wouldn't be invited into aristocrats' homes. He wouldn't be desired as a tutor if it was nowadays, right? Like you wouldn't, yeah, you just wouldn't take someone like him seriously anymore. And it almost feels like a shame, but I, I don't know. It's just where society has gone nowadays. And there is something to his lifestyle that we can take with us. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, life with less sometimes is more and more than likely it is. But it's not just owning less things or buying less things. It's just being able to appreciate those little things in life that bring you some joy and happiness. And if you can't focus on those, then what do you really have, right? Being able to satisfy basic human needs whenever you want is kind of a good thing, right? Like to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. obviously we don't want to, you know, expose ourselves in public and stuff like that. That's taking it to an extreme, but maybe he was doing it just to really prove that point. Like you, sometimes you have to go to extremes for people to understand the nuances of your ideas. And I, maybe I'm giving him benefit of the doubt there. And that was his original intent, but who knows and who knows if any of these stories are actually true that's the crazy part (laughs) that's the more interesting thing but anyway with that i think that's going to do it for us this week thank you guys so much for listening in and we will talk to you next week with our next philosopher um and it's going to be another interesting one but until then we'll talk to you guys later and bye